The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me jay harris that you won't want to miss playing dirty sports scandals each week i'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever i'm talking marcus dixon olympic gymnastics kane velasquez salacious super bowl level scandals Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. We're rocking and rolling on this Tuesday edition of the Lombardi Line alongside three-time Super Bowl winning executive and strategist Michael Lombardi. I'm Stormy Bonantoni, coast to coast as always. I'm live from our VEASAN studio in downtown Las Vegas at Circa Resort and Casino. And Michael, you are not too far out there from the Philly faithful who I have a feeling are waking up with very hot heads and anger today. They went to bed with hot heads and anger. I think they shut their TVs off. They knew that was over. Yeah, this is not going to be a good offseason for Philly fans. There, there are a lot of unhappy people here. And all of the attention is centered on Nick Sirianni, who they were getting ready to build a statue in front of the stadium for. I mean, this is a team that, you know, how many statues are you going to have on, you know, in front of your mm-hmm. stadium? Because, and then the coach not be there. So it's a good thing they didn't rush to, to, to build that stadium. So, uh it's a problem. They couldn't handle the blitz, Stormy. They couldn't tackle. Like, there's some fundamental issues. And as you said in the earlier block, they quit. I mean, there's no denying it. They quit. They stopped playing. I think once that sack happened, it was all over. There was never a moment where you felt like Philly was going to get into it. And when they finally were able to, to make the play on the long catch – you know, on the on the catch and run and on bad tackling to, to boot, you, you knew that game was ending. It, it was over. And so now the offseason begins. And so two teams from the NFC East, Dallas, disappointing end of their season, Philly, disappointing end of their season, have some seriously hard questions to answer as we move forward, knowing that there's a lot of talented coaches available for hire. Well, and Michael, these are two teams that, coming into the year and largely throughout the course of the year, we're expected to be the teams that would give San Francisco the biggest run for their money when it comes for the conference. And they're both out in the first round here. 
the Eagles just absolutely crumbled down the stretch of the season. And even when they were 10 and one, they were winning games, but we talked about it a lot on the show that it felt kind of paper tigery fraudulent because of some of the issues they had, especially defensively. And then you throw in the Jalen hurts issues and the missing of both of their coordinators clearly took a toll on this team, but it feels like it's deeper than that. And so I'm very curious to see what is going to come of this off season. We talked about it a little bit earlier when we started the show with Nick Siri that fans are calling for his head, that they want to move on. I've seen that a lot on the TV and radio today. Everybody say, okay, after this, it's embarrassing. you got to move on from Nick Sirianni. But do you? Because they did still go and play for a Super Bowl, went toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs last year, and very easily could have been on the other side of that. Can they not get things figured out if they bring new coordinators in? Well, I mean, here's the thing. His expertise is offense. They couldn't fix the offense. He couldn't fix the offense. So what and and the culture within the building doesn't sound like it's going very well. When you look at AJ Brown removed all his his Philadelphia Eagles stuff from his Instagram, which now we're in that season stormy. Let's officially declare <laughs> we're in the removal of we're in the removal of social media That's stuff on twenty twenty three, baby. Lamar Jackson. Yeah, we're 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 in that season, unfortunately. But like at some point, Jeffrey Lurie's going to sit there and say, wait a minute, what am I paying you for? Your job, Al Davis say this all the time, your job is to anticipate problems, not react. Like where, where are they? They're not in Welsh. They're not in good condition. The defensive uh, situation is a mess, complete mess. They're, they can't run. They can't tackle. The fundamentals are bad. And they're an older team. And, I, and one thing I've learned about Philly, and I say this complimentary to them, they've always been an organization that has helped the head coach. The head coach hasn't run the organization. The organization runs the head coach. And now they're going to have to have a problem. And you could see when they made the move from Peterson, they know the head coach is replaceable mm. because they feel like their organization can carry the team, not the head coach carry the team. Yeah, that's a good point. Obviously, they weren't afraid to move on from Doug Peterson after he actually won a Super Bowl there in Philly. So if you only got us to a Super Bowl and then you do what you did this year, like I'm sure that they wouldn't be afraid to move on if they felt that it was the best case situation for the organization as a whole. And I have a feeling that a lot is going to come out over the course of the next handful of months about maybe what really transpired behind the scenes in Philadelphia as of right now. All we can say is that they lost six of their last seven games down the stretch and get blown out in the wild card round to Tampa Bay, who's a team that like it was almost felt to be automatic that whoever won the NFC South was going to be down for the count as soon as they got for the, to the playoffs yeah, one in- and done. instead Baker Mayfield looks transcendent and they hit 300 yeah. plus yards, three touchdowns. He, you said earlier, like they made him look like a, a legend in Tampa. Well, I mean, the Saints destroyed them at home two weeks ago, right? There wasn't even a game. I mean, they scored me. And then the Panthers held them to nine points. Meanwhile, let's go over the Eagles, right? The Eagles are three and six over the last nine games. They're 0 and eight against the spread over the last eight games. They've given up on average 31 points in those last, in their six losses. They've only averaged 16 points. I mean, the one of the games they've won down the stretch here was against the Giants, and they started DeVito in that game. Had they started Tyrod Taylor, they might have won yeah. that game. And so, like, this is a problem. This is a collective problem. It's just not one thing. It's just not, well, we need to tweak this or we need to tweak that. No, it's not. You know, they're going to lose They're going to lose Kelsey. He's going to retire. Where's Lane Johnson? You know, last year they were very fortunate they had no injuries. This year they had some. 
But we know earlier in the year, we kept saying they were winning games that, and didn't look good doing it. Yep. And maybe that was, they were telling us something. They were 10-1, and one, but were they really a 10-1 team? Pretty hard to start a season 10-1 and one and not be able to get to 12 wins. Yet that is what we had for the Philadelphia Eagles in 2023. Also, last night, in addition to that loss, the Pittsburgh Steelers are now um, seeing the door. And Mike Tomlin saw the door pretty quickly during his postgame press conference when Brooke Pryor <laughs> asked him about the status of his contract. He just didn't even entertain that and walked right out. Yeah. Yeah, just another one of those things. Well, but- I thought we were going to roll the clip. Oh, no. I, I thought we were going to roll the clip We there. already played it. You saw it, Michael. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, look, anytime you ask that question to Mike in that situation, you're not going to get an answer. But let me ask you a question. Oh, here it is. Here, Stormy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's nothing to say. He just I mean, walks that's right like out. That's like a good military turn in a parade. That's like a good military turn in a parade. Here's what I would say on that is I'll ask you this question. You get the better coach than Mike Tomlin? Hard to imagine that they would. But to your point of what you were saying with with all of the other coaching openings right now, there are some incredible coaches that are are available. So if you think that you can get one of those transcendent guys, maybe. But I mean, Mike Tomlin's excellent. He he has the the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, he he just has the ability to get more out of less talented players on a year in and year out basis. This year, who would have thought that this team would have ten wins? Nobody. Nobody. And and look, he, he, like you take Mike McCarthy. If Mike McCarthy, he's going to have to go sell himself to Jerry. He's got to sit in front of Jerry and give Jerry all the reasons why he should come back. And what he should say is, hey, look, you know, if you bring me back, I know we're going to lose Quinn. He's probably going to get a head coaching job. We'll lose Quinn. I'll hire Martindale. We'll be just as good, if not better, on defense. Look what he did with the Giants with way less players than we have. And I'll coach the offense as good as we're doing it now, and things will get better. That's what that's what's going on. It's the same thing with Seriani. He's going to have to go in there and sell himself to Jeff Lurie and Howie Roseman, and he's going to have to say, "Hey, here's where I am. Here's what I can bring to the table." And those those things that they put in front of the owner has to be convincing. What did you think while we're just talking coaches? What did you think about uh, your boy Bill Belichick doing his interview with the Falcons and Jim Harbaugh taking an interview with the Chargers this week? Well, I think let, – let me start with Bill. Well, both of them, actually. When you have coaches of this kind of magnitude, this is not – they're not getting interviewed. They're, they're, it's really a due diligence, and, a, and it's really discovery mode. I mean, Belichick, through his agent, Neil Cornrich, had numerous conversations, I'm sure, with the Atlanta Falcons and specifically Arthur Blank. And then once those conversations proceeded along, then, okay, maybe we should sit down in a room together and have a conversation. And it's the same thing with Harbaugh. I think once they move to a point, everything goes to steps, okay? All right, we kind of have an understanding of what you're looking for. We know what we're looking for. All right, let's have a meeting so we can get to know one another. And I think with Harbaugh's case, there seems to be more momentum. It's not going to happen that quickly. But he's asking them what they would do. They're asking him what he would do. It's the same thing with Arthur Blank and Belichick. They're both feeling each other out because they're going to have a relationship for the next five years. And they want to make sure within that relationship that they can all get along and everybody's comfortable. So it's the first step. I would anticipate if there's interest on Bill's part from some of the answers he received and the Falcons, some of the answers that they received, then there'll be another meeting where they'll really kind of nail it down and say, okay, here where we are. But right now, the field isn't level. We don't know all the jobs that are open. 
We just don't know. Could Dallas open? I was told at 70-30 it would. I don't know if that's true, but perhaps. Will Philly open? I don't see that one, but a lot of people say it will. So I think until we get three or four days into this week, we really won't know. Okay, so that's that's good to know because three or four days, I was going to ask you, like, time frame-wise, do we expect this to be a longer, more drawn-out process because we're still waiting to find out which jobs might become available? Yeah, I think so. And look, this is what this is the, this is the delicate part of it. Last year, Philadelphia thought they were getting Vic Fangio as their defense coordinator. They waited, they waited, Vic waited. But it got to the point where they couldn't wait anymore. He signed a contract with Miami. And then Jonathan Gannon left two days to get the head coach job. And they were really upset about that. So timing is so important here. If you act too soon, you may lose out. If you don't act too quickly, you may lose out. This coaching carousel is spinning and spinning. Where things sit right now, the Falcons are a plus-125 favorite to land Bill Belichick. Uh, those odds coming from DraftKings, the Commanders, the second shortest shot, but at 10 to 1, followed by the Chargers at 15 to 1. And then as for Jim Harbaugh, his odds are odds on number for the Chargers right now. The Raiders, the next shortest shot at 12 to 1, although Antonio Pierce has been getting a lot of love and support from that locker room. We know that for sure. We've got plenty more still to come talking all things NFL divisional round over the course of the next hour. But when we come back, Step into my office and Nick Sirianni may or may not be the first guy to take a seat in that chair. We'll be right back. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me jay harris that you won't want to miss playing dirty sports scandals each week i'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever i'm talking marcus dixon olympic gymnastics kane velasquez salacious super bowl level scandals Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
With Omaha Steaks, you'll fall in love at first bite. With their tender steaks, burgers, air-chilled chicken, and more, you're going to love every bite. It's an Omaha Steaks guarantee. And for a limited time, when you go to omahasteaks.com slash vsin, you'll get four free air-chilled boneless chicken breasts and four free rich, juicy, boneless pork chops with your order. Minimum purchase may apply. Appointments are lined up. You waiting for somebody in there? Got an appointment. And it's not about what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. It's not personal. It's strictly business. It's time you and me had a private talk when you step into my office. It's Step Into My Office with Michael Lombardi. Mr. Lombardi, we'll see you now. It was ugly last night, but if we're being honest about Philadelphia, it's been ugly for a while. So, in steps to Michael Lombardi's office this morning, Nick Sirianni, head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, who now has a 2-3 and three playoff record. We saw the season completely fall apart the back half of the year. As he is sitting in the chair today, Michael, what needs to be said to Nick Sirianni as he clearly is awaiting his fate with Jeffrey Lurie making some decisions this week? You know, Nick, I, I think what you have to do is sell yourself to the program. You did it when you interviewed uh, two years, three years ago, when you were able to secure the head coaching job, really without being the offensive coordinator of the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Frank Frank Wright was doing that job. You assisted with Shane Steichen, was also on the staff. So I think what you have to do is convince people that you can fix this. And part of fixing something is understanding what is the problem. And only you can know that because you are not intimately involved with the offense. You are involved with the offense. You're not involved with the defense and you're not involved with the kicking game. So you have to kind of get your hands around what is wrong with the team, players, coaches and scheme. And then once you come up with that conclusion, which cannot absolve you from the blame because you're part of it, right? You can't sit there and say, well, Matt Patricia wasn't any good and you know, Marcus Johnson doesn't handle the play calls very well. I'm not doing what I want. No, this is all under your umbrella. So you're going to have to take accountability. And once you take accountability, then you got to offer solutions. Here's what I want to do. Here's how I see this team moving forward. Here's how we fix the problems. Here's how I fix Jalen Hurts. Here's how I fix the defense. Here's how we fix the lack of linebacker play on this team and move forward. And I think that's ultimately you've got to sell yourself. Because whatever the problems are internally, you cannot ad- not admit that that team didn't play very hard on Sunday, on, on Monday night. Yeah. That team has fluttered down the stretch. You're giving up 31 points. You're only scoring 16. And this is a payroll that's paid pretty well. So someone's going to have to answer for that. But once you answer, you better offer some solutions. Yeah, I think that's great. He needs to be a solution-oriented leader. First team since 1986 to start 10-1 and and finish with 11 or fewer wins. Let's go to Mike Tomlin. Steelers also ended up losing yesterday to the Buffalo Bills. But this is a, a coach that you said it earlier would be a hot commodity for anybody. You think you're going to get a better coach than Mike Tomlin, but a lot of people are asking the question, is it time to start fresh in Pittsburgh? And would Mike Tomlin, if given the decision, want to leave and do something else? Michael, what do you think if Mike Tomlin's sitting in the chair today? I think Mike, you know, one thing about Mike Tomlin is he's a passionate person. Forget about being a passionate coach, a passionate player, a passionate husband, whatever that is, you're passionate. And really, this conversation isn't about whether you're the right person to lead the Pittsburgh Steelers. We know that. But what we need to determine is the same Mike Tomlin willing to lead the Steelers. 
Because when you have the passion, when you have the drive, when you have the wherewithal to want to fix the problems, no one can stop you. And you're going to have to make some tough decisions. There's no easy decisions any head coach has to make. They're all hard. And you're going to have to make some tough decisions, and you've got to be prepared to make them. If you feel like you need a break, that you don't have the passion, you don't have the drive, and it's happened to other coaches. This is where Bill Walsh got to. Bill Walsh got to the same place. He just didn't feel like he could continue to do it at that pace. If if you're there, tell us now. If you're not there, then let's do everything in our power to fix where we need to go. We've been a playoff team. We're not a great playoff team. We're lucky we're the seventh seed. So we have work to do, and we'll admit what work we need to do. Yeah, this is a team that certainly exceeded expectations this year, getting a 10-win season and making the playoffs, but a franchise that expects more haven't won a playoff game since 2016, and the offensive struggles this year have been well-documented. Now, the only loss that might have been worse than the Eagles this week, uh, actually, there were a couple of them, but I think the Dallas Cowboys one from a franchise perspective stands out. Dak Prescott steps in the office today after he had a performance where the stats will make it seem like he had a good day, but we all know a lot of that was empty calorie garbage time. He still threw two picks, including a back-breaking pick six in the game. And he now has a two and five playoff record. Never made it beyond the divisional round. A lot of people are asking, is he the reason why Dallas can't make it over the hump? What are you saying to Dak today? Dak, I think this is a two-fold conversation. You need to make a decision. Uh, if you want to be the highest paid quarterback in the league and take all the money, then it's probably going to be impossible for us to win a championship. If you want to do a different route and take the Brady approach and help the team out, that probably we can win a Super Bowl with you. But you're going to have to be selfless in what you do. Now, I'm not trying to say you're going to not make any money. That's not true. But if you want to become Kirk Cousins and take all the money, we won't ever win here. That's been proven. Peyton Manning went to one Super Bowl with the Indianapolis Colts. He never gave him a discount. They went to one Super Bowl, won one Super Bowl, couldn't get it done. You know, he went to two, lost to the Saints. But for me, you've got to be able to make that decision. You've got to be able to say, here, I can help the team. I'm going to do things that help my pocketbook, but also be selfless with the team and then move forward. And you've got to make honest decisions about that because we have a chance to win a title. You're a lot different in the eyes of everyone else if you put a Super Bowl trophy on your mantle. If you don't, your career will look different to everybody. They won't cite how many great games you played. They'll only talk about your playoff record. They won't talk about how you were a fourth-round pick and overcame all these obstacles. They'll talk about your playoff record. You're judged by how well you do in the postseason. And that's on you. And that's going to be on you. And I'm not saying our mistakes are all you, but you taking all the money and limiting our cap is going to be on you, and you're going to make that call. Yeah, and for a team that, as you kind of referenced there, has a lot of pressure on them having not made a conference championship game in 30 years. Another quarterback that failed to live up to expectations and is due to get paid in the near future. Tua Tungavailoa stepping into Michael Lombardi's office today. He led an offense this season that was one of the highest scoring in the entire league, averaged just shy of 30 points per game. They were held to just seven in the cold in Kansas City. He finished the season two and three to let the division slip away. What are you thinking about Tua Tungavailoa and what he needs to hear this offseason? Well, look, you did a great job of staying healthy for the whole year. Not many people, including me, thought you could do that. So hats off to you for doing that. But once again, you know, you're going to get judged by your postseason, by your play against great teams. 
you're minus 113 whenever you played a team with a winning record. That's how you're judged. And so I think what you need to understand is what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, and how can you help the team? And you can play in Miami for the next 10 years as long as you don't see yourself as the best player on Miami's team. If you see yourself as the best part of Miami's team, then this can move forward. But if your agent, Lee Steinberg, wants to make you the highest paid quarterback in the league and wants to have everything like Pat Mahomes, this is going to be a hard deal. Because let's be clear, we have to make everything around you perfect to make it better. And I know that's hard for some players to hear, but that's the reality. If you know your role, if you know your limitations, and you know your strengths, we, got, we, got, we can go a long way. But when you play outside that, then it becomes a problem for the team, and the team's going to have to make some hard decisions. Back to the coaching carousel. We mentioned earlier the Chargers are an odds-on favorite to land Jim Harbaugh as their next head coach. But will Jim, Jim ultimately leave Ann Arbor? He just won a national championship with the Michigan Wolverines. I know it was a tumultuous season that had some suspensions involved in it. But what do you think? If Jim's talking to you today, should he go back to the NFL or stay at Michigan? You know, Jim, when we sat at Piedmont High School and you told me you were going to take the University of San Diego job, I told you not to do it. You didn't listen. So whatever I tell you today, (laughs) I know you might not listen to me, right? I understand that. But I do know this. Jim Harbaugh can only be Jim Harbaugh when you have the culture and the organization that allows you to be yourself. We saw it doesn't work in San Francisco when someone tries to make you do things that you're not comfortable with. You need everybody behind you. The job's harder now than it ever was, and you can win, but you only can win when everybody's rowing in the same direction. Again, the Chargers a minus one fifty favorite. The Raiders twelve to one. Commanders twenty five to one as to where Jim Harbaugh will coach next season. Not an NFL team, even money. So staying at Michigan is the next shortest option. Great stuff, Michael. Awesome, awesome stuff. I was was gonna throw one more at you. um, And I think this is a conversation that we can delve into a little bit more this off season in general, but Gerard Mayo and Kalen DeBoer both taken over for a couple of legends. I wonder what advice you would give to guys that are trying to take over for the guy historically, right? So we'll get into that one again. Well, that's a conversation to be had, but for now we have to hit the break. I hate when that music comes to me when I have more to say. We'll be right back on the Lombardi line. Stay right here. VEASAN Pro subscriber today, you'll get unlimited access to our VEASAN.com slash slash picks page. Our guy Will Hill was on the program a little bit earlier, gave out some of his best bets, including an interesting team total, Texans under 17 and a half against the Ravens for his picks and a whole lot more from every host and guest. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today. Plus, when you use the promo code Lombardi, you'll get an extra 10% off an annual subscription. VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Stormy Tony and Michael Lombardi with you. And, and real quickly, just to carry over some of our conversation from last segment, we had step into my office, a lot of people sitting down in the chair, Michael, to have a talking to. And I think that Kalen DeBoer, who is now taking over as the head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide, and Gerard Mayo, who is stepping into the shoes of Bill Belichick in New England, like I think that warrants a conversation too. And some of your advice, especially having known both of those legendary figures and men personally, like how difficult is it to take over for, you know, to be the guy after the guy, right? And and what advice, what should they hear and take to heart as they take, you know, on such a challenging role? 
Well, it's it's really a difficult place. It's almost like the vice president who takes over for the president. Okay, if he says to everybody in the world, we're going to keep going what we do, people are going to say, well, that's not going to work. And if he says we're going to change, they say, well, he wasn't being very loyal to the ex-president. So you're kind of in between. Right. You have to be your own person and you have to come in with your own identity and you have to acknowledge the greatness that was before you. And what you need to do is explain to everybody, I am going to take the strengths of the things I've learned from these great coaches and apply them in my own manner, apply them to how I see them. Accountability here in New England has always been a cornerstone, whether it's been with when I was here as a player or it's when I retired. I'm going to take accountability. I'm going to hold people accountable just like Coach Belichick did. I might do it in a different way, but I'm going to hold players accountable. And you have to honor, but you have to move forward. If you get stuck in time like the Miami Dolphins did when Don Shula left, you go nowhere. Because most people come in and say, well, that's not what Shula did, and we won two Super Bowls. Okay, well, and then you get a defensive and say, well, you know, I'm doing it my way now. It doesn't work. It's been very hard. Alabama went through how many coaches before they got to Nick? How many of them, right? Dennis Francione, Mike, David, Mike Shula. I mean, they went through them all, right? Gene Stahl, all of them. And it wasn't until Nick came in with really no attachment to Bear that he could move the program forward. Honor the past, move forward. And that's what they have to do. You can't sit there and say, well, I want nothing to do with them. It's my program now. And I've seen coaches do that. I've seen coaches try to do that. That doesn't work. You know, you got to honor the past. If you're Jed Fish taking over for the University of Washington, you got to go to that press conference today and talk about the great players in Washington, the Don James. You got to honor the past and move forward. And and that's what these guys have to do. Yeah, and it's it's an unenviable role from the standpoint of you you need to be yourself and be authentic to who you are, but not faking being somebody else, but at the same point, recognizing what has worked here, what has been successful and appreciating that. So it's a, it's a tough role, an exciting one, I'm sure for everybody involved. And I'm glad that you mentioned Jed Fish too, because I know you're a good friend of his like, kudos for him for getting that opportunity and taking that big 10 money instead of big 12, right? Well, I mean, look, I, I know the situation really well with Arizona. I mean, they had the 200, what was it, $80 million? They lost it somewhere. I don't know. What was it? Was it in the couch? I don't know what the hell happened, right? But there was a hiring freeze. There was a salary freeze. You know, they're try, he wouldn't, he tried to get his contract extended. You know, they somewhat agreed, but they didn't do the memo of understanding. Look, the one thing I do know about Jed, he didn't want to leave Arizona. Yeah. Because he, said he was that hoping openly that they recently. would come to the. Yeah. He, he thought they would come to the table and, and pay, and because and, he's always been in the bottom of the big tw- of the of the Pac-12, and so they never did, and they agreed on a contract extension, but they never got the memo of understanding, which would have made the buyout ten million dollars, and yet now because they never signed that, his buyout was five million. So the athletic director at Arizona just let the ball slip, and they have no money. I mean, the problem is. There is a freeze in the state because of this accounting error, missing money. I don't know. I don't know how you do that. I don't understand where that happened, how that happens. But good for Jed. He takes over a program that's completely in transition. You know, they're all they're leaving Seattle like crazy. Everybody's going out of there because of their coach left. So college football 
is a tough, tough job right now. And for us as handicappers, it's a harder job because we don't even know where all the players are going to end up. Cam Ward was coming in the draft. Now he's at the University of Miami. That's why listening to VEASAN and, and, and subscribing to our guides are going to be even more important as you move forward because we'll do all the work for you. Just sit back, relax, and make your bet. Yeah, absolutely. Adam Burke already has been monitoring the transfer portal like crazy. We did that ahead of bowl season and obviously finding out where these players land and how transitional each one of these programs are. But Jed Fish, we learned watching him at Arizona, what he was able to do taking over an ugly situation and going from a team that it felt impossible for them to win more than a game to now having the success and being nationally ranked like they were this year. So excited to see what he does at Washington. Uh, One last thing coaching related because you had the breaking news in hour one, just to revisit it, the saints fire their offensive coordinator, Pete Carmichael, as well as whiteouts coach, Cody Burns and senior offensive assistant, Bob um, Bicknell sweeping overhaul for Dennis Allen's offensive staff. Yeah, kept Ronald Curry, who was with us at the Raiders, great receiver, uh, played basketball and football at North Carolina, really has worked hard in the trade. My instincts tell me, is John Gruden coming down the road here? You know, because I know he helps out the Saints, and I know that Dennis Allen wants to run an offense. He's kind of trapped to it, wants to run an offense with Carr. Now we're going to have to sit there and listen to the offseason when Carr doesn't play well. (laughs) <laughs> about how this is another offense for poor Derek Carr to learn and how this is changed, which to me lends me to believe that they're probably going to hire Gruden so that he, we don't have to listen to that rhetoric for the next six months. <laughs> I mean, that's coming, right? So, okay, my follow-up to that is I was under the impression that Gruden, after everything that happened with him in Vegas, was just forever going to be blackballed from the league. Like, yes, maybe behind the scenes he could do some assisting here and there, like you referenced this past offseason. But being a coordinator, being a coach, is that realistic? I mean, I don't know what's realistic. I know he was in court the other day. They haven't settled the case. I know he got his money from the Raiders in terms of whatever Mark Davis decided to pay him, whether it was for cause or not. So for me, you know, this is remains to be seen, whether he can gainfully be employed while he's suing the NFL. I, yeah. I mean, Brian Flores obviously is gainfully employed while he's suing the NFL, so I don't know how that really works out. Yeah, and we know he's a good coach. We, we do have firm evidence of that. Um, New Orleans, by the way, that deal with Derek Carr, four-year, $150 million, just Make sure we all remember that. Uh, As it pertains these last couple minutes to the divisional round coming up, Michael, we have that Elite Eight. We know who the the final four games are going to be. Is there one game that intrigues you more than any other so far? I think the Buffalo-KC game. We get that, you know, uh, in Buffalo, first time Mahomes. We get to see Mahomes on the road in a playoff game. I mean, that one's got to be intriguing. I think the other one, they all have great stories. But this one, because of Buffalo's injuries, because of the greatness of of Josh Allen and how he can carry a team, I think to me that's really important. So uh, I really believe that that's going to be a fun game. The way the Chiefs play defense, their offense seems to have a little bit of life to it, right? has a little bit of life. So for me, I think that's that, that's a good thing. I think that this Chief will give them everything they can handle. Trust me, they'll give them everything they can handle in this game. And Buffalo is going to be a few men down. You know, I, I think when you look at the other games, the San Francisco-Green Bay game could be a track meet. There's no question about that. Both teams could score, right? But every time we think that, the under comes in. <laughs> so that usually doesn't happen, right? And then... 
The, the, the Tampa Bucks and, and the Lions, I mean, the Lions probably were thinking they were going to get Philadelphia. They've already beaten Tampa once. So I think that one. And then these young quarterbacks in the league, whether it's Stroud, whether it's Jordan Love, we get to watch them on the weekend. But to me, the best game, the signature game will be the last game against two serious playoff contenders, two great players at quarterback. Yeah, and two teams with playoff history that – Kansas City, we know, has been the the one that gets out of that and advances. So can Buffalo change that script? We'll have to wait and see. And to your point about Kansas City and their offense kind of figuring things out lately, the emergence of Rasheed Rice has been important, and we already know that their defense is good. But playing on the road for the first time in a long time in the playoffs and any game that has not been a Super Bowl will be a different experience for them. Also, it's just the second time in the playoffs since Patrick Mahomes has been their quarterback. They've been an underdog in a game. The only other time was last year's Super Bowl when they went on to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. So I dare you to count them out. <laughs> They're not a team that tends to subscribe to that theory. Um, again, the spread two and a half. We will take a quick timeout here, but still plenty more to come as it pertains to the divisional rounds in the AFC and the NFC. And uh, yeah, I'm going to give you a fictional, fictional $100, Michael. See what you might want to do with it in the Super Bowl odds. We'll be right back. of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 
DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL postseason, is bringing you an offer that'll help make the playoffs electrifying. New customers can bet five bucks on any game and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code Vegas only on DraftKings Sportsbook. Again, that code is Vegas, V-E-G-A-S, DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. We are wrapping things up on this Tuesday edition of the Lombardi line. Get you set for all things divisional round of the NFL postseason. We talked a good bit about the AFC earlier. Let's get into the NFC. The Bucks are getting six at the Lions after knocking off the Eagles in tremendous fashion last night. And the 49ers down from the 10 to nine and a half now, nine and a half point favorite against the Green Bay Packers. And um, I mean, Jordan Love sure looks pretty darn good. So you can see why people People might want to take the double digits there. No question. And, and in the morning when I kind of go over my notes and to get ready for our show, do you always look at the board that, you know, where the money, where the money is, how many tickets and this San Francisco green Bay game has got a ton of tickets. Usually, you know, there's layers to how many people, when people are betting and we know on a Monday of Tuesday of a Saturday game that, that this is really sharper people or people that do this for a living that are grabbing numbers. Mm. And this Packer game is double the amount of tickets being written up on them than any other game on my board that I'm looking at. And I'm sure it's the same way at DraftKings and other places because this and the number has been pretty steady, nine and a half, ten right in there. And I, I feel like you can make the case for both sides. You know, Green Bay Love turns the ball over, playing on the road, a consecutive game. San Francisco's defensive front takes over the game. You know, McCaffrey's healthy today. He's His heel's completely healed, according to Kyle Shanahan. So you can make a case for both. But to me, this is an interesting game because I would have thought the under would have ticked up, and yet it's ticked down. Yeah. What's interesting to me about the spread that you mentioned there, Michael, is that the volume of tickets, but it really coming for both sides. So you have a lot of people that are pretty adamant that the Packers are either going to stay in this game or the 49ers are going to win in dominant fashion. And I, I think that's pretty rare to have so many people on opposite sides of something, especially at this point in the week. And usually, like last week, there were a lot of games where nobody was betting Miami, right? And that line kept moving. We saw that, right? Because Miami was beat up and nobody was betting the Lions, really, for the most part. That line went from three and a half down to three. This week, early on, we're seeing no action towards Baltimore. Yet the line's kind of staying stagnant. That you know, Again, I think what Will Hill said about the teasers, nobody wants to give you that freedom of a teaser below the three, so they're trying to keep it so where you can't you know, tease it down. And then no one's betting the Bucks. You would have thought that momentum of beating Philly would have propelled it. And then the other game, to me, it seems like there's money on the Chiefs and that you're paying a price for the two and a half. They don't want to give you the three. Yep. They'd rather you pay the tax than get the three. And that tells me a lot about what they think of Kansas City and why I think Kansas City's in a pretty good position right now. That's a game in my mind that is a field goal game one way or the other. And I know you lean Chiefs. I kind of lean Buffalo where we sit early in the week, but I haven't placed any bets just yet. I think this is one of those things where, as you referenced earlier, still a lot of research to dig into before we actually need to make decisions and make picks on these games. Um, what you said about the Buccaneers, yes, huge win over the Eagles yesterday. They're getting six in this spot at Detroit. Is there any world where there's potential for an emotional letdown for Detroit? 
it's been such a long time since they hosted or won a playoff game. And I know that it's still it's still the postseason. It's going to be easy to get up for for everybody, and that building's going to be rocking. But last week, with it being against Stafford and the Rams and the emotions of getting that win, is there any chance they could have a letdown? No, I don't think so. But from a scheme standpoint, look, they're going to have to deal with the fact that they only gained 86 yards in the second half. And mm-hmm. – they're going to go up to go to Detroit. Detroit's going to host a team that they beat by two touchdowns, right? They beat them by two touchdowns. Now, let's be clear here. Detroit did not run the ball in that game. They had 22 carries for 40 yards. But Goff was very effective throwing the football. He threw the ball 44 times for 353 yards. I don't know if he's going to do that again. I don't know if that's going to be the game plan because I think they're better defensively now Tampa was when they were there. Tampa only had 13 first downs of the game. They only had the ball for 23 minutes. So it's a completely different game now. But I think that is the job of Dan Campbell is to say, fellas, that game is light years behind us. We have to look forward and stop looking at we're a six-point favorite and start stop thinking about what happens next week? What happens the week after? This is really about focus and understanding the opportunities, not getting ahead of the opportunities. And Campbell's got to rely on his experience because we know this. Todd Bowles is going to come in with every blitz known to man. He's going to watch what Raheem Morris did to him. Raheem Morris took away the run game in the second half, you know, and he put pressure on Goff, and Goff wasn't the same guy. And we can see the Bucks doing that. The Bucks defense was fast last night. They were athletic and they were engaged. Yeah. And Michael, what I will say about Dan Campbell as a coach, we've talked so much today throughout the course of the show about the coaching carousel and a couple of these guys that are still on the hot seat, potential openings coming up. Dan Campbell is such a tremendous example of what can happen when you give someone time and don't cut the cord prematurely. Because think about how rough it was for them that first season then they go on to have a little bit of success this year they're out here making history after everyone was making fun of him for his comments about the toughness this team is going to have and biting kneecaps look at what he's been able to do so I I wonder if just in the NFL as a whole we are so prisoner of the moment like this Nick Sirianni thing is the one that's just coming to mind so much for me right now they just played for a Super Bowl a year ago and everybody wants him out because of the way that this season ended Yeah, I mean, well, we are. I mean, that's because we have, you know, back in the day, 20 years ago, we didn't have Twitter. We didn't have this instantaneous uh, ability to call somebody an idiot. You know, we don't have we didn't have Twitter tough guys, you know, and so we didn't have that. Oh, my gosh, we're going to talk about got to get rid of this guy. And there's this. Remember, if you read any books, uh, much of the social media spectrum is about is 10 percent of the side, whatever it is, whether it's the conservative side or the liberal side, it really speaks to a very small audience. Everybody else is in the middle. But yet, if you're making decisions based on one of those areas on social media, then then you're going to be in, in a lot of trouble. And I think that's something that the owner, you know, good owners are not listening to that. I think we see sometimes people make decisions based on public perception, and we know that's the wrong thing to do. Yeah, uh, Jeff Laurie and Jerry Jones, certainly a couple of guys will be awaiting to hear from this week. Let's finish out, though, talking NFC. As far as the NFC picture right now and the odds where they stand, San Francisco is an odds-on minus 185 favorite to be the team that comes out of the NFC and makes the Super Bowl. The Lions, who we're just talking about, their second shot at plus 330, followed by the Bucks and Packers, both at plus 950 apiece. 
Are you laying it with San Francisco in this spot? Are you that confident? Or is there another team you think could come out? I just saw that Kyle Shanahan started preparing. This is not going to make Jerry Jones happy at all. He, he started preparing for the Packers in the second quarter of the game. Stop. Oh, boy. <laughs> and yeah, it's what he said at his press conference today. I started preparing for the Packers in the second quarter. I mean, which I don't blame him. I mean, look, if I were if I were the Lions last night, I'm sure they spent Monday working on the butt, working on the Eagles. But once that got to the once that safety happened, I'm sure Campbell said, "Pivot. Let's see. It's now we're going to work on the line. We're going to work on the Bucks." Nope. Um, but but to that point. Do you think that San Francisco will be prepared enough, get it done against Green Bay? Obviously, huge favorite for a reason, but still. Yeah, but you know this. We know this. Kyle Shanahan, 0-39, going in the fourth quarter, down by seven points. Three points. Like, we know that LaFleur is going to want to come out and that opening drive, that first quarter, getting into the fourth – get the game to the fourth quarter. What did we say when Baltimore went out there? Baltimore was said – we got to get the game to the fourth quarter. If we get the game in the fourth quarter, we're going to win it. Now, the problem is, are they good enough on defense, Green Bay, to get the game to yeah. the fourth quarter, to, to have the lead into the fourth quarter? I think that's the issue, right? Yep. Uh, we're not sure about that. We're, we're not sure that that can happen. And this 49er team will come charge him. Yeah, uh, Green Bay certainly set the tone against Dallas. Can they do that against the stout 49ers defense? Is there a team last 30 seconds before we head out that you think has the best path to win a Super Bowl? Oh, I think it's, you know, well, look, with the NFC, with when you eliminate Dallas and Philadelphia, two teams that we thought were going to be formidable, I think San Francisco's got the easiest path because I know they can beat Detroit. I know they can beat Green Bay. And they are the favorite still where things sit right now in the latest Super Bowl odds, plus 175, the price on DraftKings, followed by three teams from the AFC, the Ravens at plus 290, Buffalo 5-1, to one, and Kansas City 7-1 to one as they look to repeat. They got the Bills this week as a two-and-a-half-point dog. Michael, great stuff today, as always, my friend. Thank you, Stormy. We will see you tomorrow. What a day it was. Sorry, Philly. I know it's rough. You'll get them next year. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host 
of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.